0: Anime Declassified is a podcast run by the Anime Secrets website. Check us out at AnimeSecrets.org for more anime, video game, tokusatsu content. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts today.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Anime Declassified, where today we will be talking about the latest Studio Ghibli movie that has hit theaters, The Boy and the Heron. Hiya, Miyazaki's latest film. Uh joining me to discuss this movie today will be our chief, our leader, the great, Riz.
0: Full of all the Riz in the world for all of you awesome people out there. Eh, let's not push it too far. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna lean into it that hard, I gotta help you out a little bit there. Mm, don't ruin the mood. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, The Boy and the Heron
1: was released in um, wide release in theaters back towards the end of November. It has made $151 million in the U.S. box office. It has won numerous awards and recently won the Golden Globe Award for Best Animated Feature of 2023, among others. And it's been, uh, it's receiving a lot of praise, so... Uh, naturally, this is something that we should talk about because this could, you know, Hayao Miyazaki is getting up there in age. This could potentially be his last movie if, you know, he decides it to be or if he, like, really pumps in the brakes on the next one.
0: But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, he's been saying that for well over a decade or two now that he's done... And just when we he thinks... He's done. He comes back with something new. Mm-hmm. So I I am gonna hold off on calling this his last work because I don't trust him to not come back with something in the future again. <laughs> oh Yeah, no, we'll see. Uh, but uh,
1: just kind of a brief summary: uh, the movie takes place in uh, the Pacific War in Tokyo, uh, or at least it starts there uh, before our main character. Uh, moves with his dad uh, to the countryside after the city is unfortunately hit by the uh, bomb ratings that were pretty common around wartime Japan at the time. And, you know, throughout the country, Mahito uh, finds himself kind of struggling, integrating himself into country life, uh, dealing with the loss of his mother, and eventually he finds himself being lured into a mysterious tower where upon where he enters he finds a for lack of a better word magical world in there as is the standard for most studio ghibli movies and from there he learns how can i put it because this movie is a bit out there for sure <laughs> but he basically encounters a lot of different points of view and is almost being entrusted to hold up this magical world Uh, but at the end chooses against it believing himself not being worthy and eventually is able to accept his new mom and move on with his life afterwards it's a very very brief summary of it because there is a lot to get into when it comes to this movie but just kind of giving you a broad sense of it as possible without spoiling too much yeah So I ask you this, Rizwan, as you said, you were the only person in your theater when you went to go watch it. (laughs) Uh, It was pretty late into its release by that point, so uh, understandable. Uh,
0: What did you think of it? So as an update to what I sent to you on Discord, we did end up getting three people come in at the very last second. Oh, very nice. So I wasn't completely alone. But definitely it was a very empty theater. Um. So, for me, this movie hits a lot of things that are typical for a Miyazaki film. And then they hit a lot of things that I don't think I've ever seen a Miyazaki film do quite this way before. Mm-hmm. Um. But overall, I thought it was a fantastic movie. It was a fun ride. And... Has given me many, many discussions with people about this. what was the me- greater meaning of the story? What was he trying to go for? And I am just ready to give some of those insights on what I think and hear what you have to say on it. Oh, for sure. You think, so, Miguel?
1: well, I guess uh, my first question is for you. Uh, I think you've already answered this one for me, um, but you said you ended up going to the dub version of it, correct? Yeah i uh I wanted to go to the dub version but uh, unfortunately when I went to go see it uh, was after I left work and the late night showing of it was only the subtitled version because uh, they usually split mm. them up a little yeah. bit like usually they'll do one day of both or one day of one and then one day of the other but because this one was a wide release um, because like a little history on it back when the Ghibli films were being uh, shown in theaters, because uh, I'm sure you've seen it, like, at your local theater. Like, yeah, you look at the times and you see, like, a random Studio Ghibli movie being put up there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they were being distributed by Fathom Events. So it was, like, a special showing and they would only have, like, two days of it. But as anime has become more and more popular, you know, it's not a new discussion to say that anime's grown exponentially in the US not just in terms of like people being able to get into it more but as a business uh you know the success of movies like Demon Slayer and the Dragon Ball Super movies has kind of shown like theaters like there's real money to be made off of weebs oh yeah absolutely (laughs) so this is uh like the first real big release that G Kids which is now the new US distributor for the Ghibli films has had and so You know, me seeing that there are multiple show times was a shocker, Uh, not a shocker, but like, oh, yeah, no, this is going to be around for a bit. Uh, Glad that they're still giving the options for dubs and subs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But myself, I found myself really enthralled by the world. Uh, For me, this is easily the best animated movie I've seen this year. Like, not just in terms of story, but just like pure animation, Uh, you know, that, scene with the fire at the beginning was just like it was enthralling like
0: now when you say this year i assume you mean 2023 correct okay i should say i thought because i thought in 2024 you're seeing in 2023 i'm I'm saying like
1: in 2023 of all the animated movies i saw this was to me
0: the best one i've saw I I can definitely see that. I mean, I'm trying to think back to what animated movies we had last year. Um, I didn't really go to the theaters too much, so I don't know what was out. But definitely this was a high contender for one of the best movies I saw in theaters last year. It was,
1: yeah, and it was, like, in terms of, like, hand-drawn animation, it was absolutely gorgeous. Like, there's, excuse me, there's just something about hand-drawn animation that, like I find more more alluring more I can get into it a little bit more than I can something that's done in CG which there's nothing wrong with CGI uh, or computer generated movies like those are all those can be really really good but for me I'm just a sucker of the old old-fashioned hand drawn and so you know I'm a little bit more favorable to them but this was just beautiful to uh to watch the story was really good. And it's, it's a story that was definitely like, when you compare it to some of the other Ghibli films, you're like, well, it feels a bit off. But when you realize that this is not so much an adaptation of a prior story, Mm -hmm. but more of a kind of like almost autobiographical, like this is the stuff that Miyazaki himself, is feeling and he's kind of putting on there on the feet on the screen you know in where it's like kind of his feelings as he's kind of getting closer to where he knows he can't kind of keep going and that to me was like the more interesting part the fantasy elements of it were still phenomenal but when you get into like the human emotion like you know you're seeing almost Miyazaki talking to himself you know, in his old age to his younger self, it's like, to me, I think that was the more interesting part
0: of it. Yeah, no, definitely. That is a huge part of it. Definitely. And like I said, there there are definitely things in this movie that are very Miyazaki. But like you said, there's a lot of stuff in here that's new and things we haven't seen before. And when you said it feels autobiographical to you, that made me think, You're right, because I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, So I haven't read the source material that this comes from. There's a book, I think, called, like, the something about the decisions you make in life or something. I don't remember the exact name. They
1: mention it in the movie. It's not necessarily an adaptation of that, but it drew inspiration from it. Uh, The book Mm -hmm. is called How Do You Live? There you go. And that's... uh, I believe that's also the uh, Japanese title for the movie. Uh, they made the title The Boy and the Heron uh, for the English release, but its uh, original Japanese release title is How Do You Live?
0: Yeah, I see that now in the uh, article. Yeah. But yeah, but... so I've never read the book, um, but I thought it was very interesting that you say it's autobiographical because to me it seemed like, it's very possible because I'm pretty sure Miyazaki lived through some of the stuff that he's writing about, given how old he is.
1: Yeah, uh, he's brought up how his father uh, did uh, was uh, head of a factory that did uh, some of the air munitions for the Japanese army, mm-hmm. and so when uh, the bombardments in Tokyo were happening his dad moved them from the city over to the countryside in order to kind of stay away from some more of the carnage that was going on. So that part, or that early part in the movie, was taking a lot from Miyazaki's childhood.
0: Yeah. No, it it definitely does. And I think there's something to be said about the, the themes of the movie... Um, that are being explored by him, especially mm-hmm. the feeling of alienation in the face of your parents being separated. In this case, by death, mm-hmm. and your father remarrying, and a neat child coming into their into your life as a sibling for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a very common thing. I feel a lot of people even in America can really relate to because there's a large number of people in this country who are, whose parents are either divorced or they got widowed and got remarried and continue building families after which somebody knew. Mm -hmm. And how do these people, you know, cope with, cope with that? Some, some people are very adaptive, adaptive and they're able to just go with the flow. Others, They never truly recover no matter what happens. And they're left as just an empty cell after. So, I mean, this definitely hits home for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. And then, like,
1: the... You know, in the early portion, so kind of going through the movie here, uh, where, you know, Mahito doesn't really fit in. You know, he, like, put like hits himself with a rock in the head to avoid having to deal with people because doesn't know how to conform to them. They clearly don't think very highly of him. You know, his father's this big city kind of big city guy, you know, he drops him off in a car and you know doesn't leave the best first impression to, you know, these kids in the country who probably don't see cars all that often yeah no not at all and so it's you know he's going through a lot and there's not really anyone there to talk to him about it and you know even if there was there you know he was having trouble opening up and so it's all those struggles that the kid is going through that you know let you in and you start you know you start to root from him almost right off the bat
0: yeah no definitely
1: But yeah, no. A lot of there's a lot of uh, the the uh, good themes, and there what was another thing that you uh, you enjoyed about the movie, Riz.
0: Um, I enjoyed the Heron himself. That was a really fun character for me. How gobsmacked were you when you found out who voiced him? Um, very, very. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold up. I didn't actually realize who it was until this morning when I was doing some research to get ready for the podcast and i was like wait robert pattinson is the gray heron yep and then looking further on the list real quick we'll talk about it later but you also had kristen bale mark hamill and just other people barbara goodson brita repulsa for god's sake <laughs> so no there's there's a lot of interesting talent in in this movie, as the voice actor cast in the English version.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Mark Hamill and uh, Christian Bale returning to uh, their second stint in a Ghibli movie
0: is always nice. Yeah, it definitely is, and I I didn't expect them to be able to return. I I never thought about it like that. So very oh, yeah. interesting. Oh yeah, Mark Hamill, big big animation fan.
1: Christian Bale, and you know, there's that. Uh, famous story uh, going around the internet when he saw Spirited Away, he told his agent, I don't care what role you get me. I want to be, you know, I want to be an, I want to read for one of these movies. And then he lands the role of Howl, uh, yeah. you know, a year before he takes the mantle of Batman.
0: Yeah. Was it real? was it really that close together?
1: Hal's uh, Moving Castle was released stateside in 2004. Batman Begins was released the following year.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's that's a really good repertoire, right there, just those two movies. Because I was talking to a friend somewhere, it might have been in our, might have even been our own Discord server, mm-hmm. and I was telling him, "Look, the best Batman to me is Kristen Bale in terms of like Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Like, so seeing him go from one of my favorite." Ghibli movies, because it's is one of my favorite Ghibli movies, too. Also, one of my favorite iterations of Batman. I mean, this guy is really talented. Uh, yeah, as uh, someone pointed out, you
1: know, we had two Batman, a Joker, and Green Goblin in this movie. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> and, you know, one, uh, you know, as we kind of go into, go further on into the movie, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, not just memorable uh, memorable uh, animation scenes, but like I think one of the parts that got to me was as Maita's kinda like not necessarily thinking black and white, but it's the scene where the uh the cute little creatures are ascending up to become mm-hmm. basically uh born as kids and you see the pelicans swooping in and eating them, you you kinda get this sense of like, oh, so clearly the pelicans are gonna be like bad people and you know they get kind of burned down and then he talks to the one to the uh old pelican who asks him to kill him and he tells him like we never ask to be brought into this world we can't eat the food that we normally eat here because it'll poison us and so we're just trying to survive and you get that like scene of like oh maybe not everything is what it's what you think it is in this world. Maybe there's more to this world than there is. And that, that like monologue by that Pelican alone was. Oh yeah. Really good. It I was. wish I, I wish I could have heard uh Willem
0: Dafoe's version of it. It was, it was pretty inspirational and I, I liked it. Like I think the voice cast did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Now one question of something I was thinking about, earlier, Mm -hmm. with regard to that infamous scene where Mahito hits himself in the head with the rock. Mm -hmm. Now, you said you think that's um, him just not being able to cope with the people around him. My interpretation was a little bit different on that, actually. (laughs) What was that? So My interpretation of that was going back into that theme of alienation, Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was trying to find a way to get the attention of his dad to make him notice him again and remember him and care about him and tote over him. So he hits himself in the head with a rock. Then to avoid his dad getting angry with him for hitting himself, he doesn't outright say, oh yeah, I did it to myself. Um, He just says, I tripped and fell, which is a classic thing that kids will say when they're trying to avoid getting other people in trouble. Mm -hmm. So the dad can't get mad at him and he's getting more angered with the fact that somebody beat him up and i think Mahito wanted some attention to reassure him that everything was still going to be somewhat the same even though his dad effectively married his mom's younger sister and they're having a kid mm-hmm. so i think that that was the interpretation i got out of it
1: yeah Yeah, and I could see that, you know. um, There's a lot of different ways, and honestly, both could be true. You know, maybe he did want to get his dad's attention, uh, but at the same time, maybe he just did not want to deal with, you know, his classmates on a daily basis. Yeah. Both could be true. Yeah, Ah.
0: definitely, I think so.
1: Now, I think one of the uh, comic... Like, one of the most Looney Tunes aspect of the movie is when we get to the giant
0: parakeets. Okay, those parakeets are amazing to me. (laughs) I just, like, like them, like, hiding next to the door with, like, the giant knife and fork. I'm like, okay, this is some Looney
1: Tunes stuff right
0: here. Yeah, but also, I don't know how it was in the Japanese dub that you watched, but in the English dub... Um, they're very subservient to the king, the parakeet king. Mm-hmm. And so you always hear stuff like, oh, my king, please let us do what we can. Please don't leave us behind. We'll come with you. We'll protect you. Uh it We was... live to serve you only.
1: It was very similar. It's like okay. uh, for the king, uh, for the good of a nation, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought those parakeets were... Uh hilarious in a Looney Tune sense, especially the way they kept getting hit over the head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when they're infiltrating the castle.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. Um the, I, I just loved all the birds we had in this movie. I'm a bird fan. I don't like I don't care too much about dogs and cats, but birds are my are my pet. So, oh, so
1: this is definitely up your jam.
0: This this is my jam, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, definitely. Um So, as we kind of get into more of the fantastical world, uh, the thing I was not expecting was how the world uh, essentially handled the little bit of, uh, I don't want to say time travel, but, like, it was essentially a pocket dimension. Yeah. Like, that was something I actually wasn't expecting at all. Like, when I was watching the trailers, uh, you know, seeing... The cast and characters there, I thought they were just going to be, you know, separate citizens living in Mm. that world. But then, like, you see, like, you know, you start putting some of the pieces together, like the little girl with the fire powers, which was the biggest, (laughs) one of the darkest senses of irony I've seen in a while. You know, his mom being
0: powerful with fire. Yeah. Yeah, that was a a bit of... was interesting yeah oh boy that was something else and you know it's interesting to me now i don't know if you know you would know this reference or not miguel but um i got a slight star wars vibe from the room with all the doors yeah because and star wars rebels and in the ahsoka tv so they have this thing called the world between worlds where you enter this pocket dimension and there's a bunch of different doors that can lead you to different points in history and you can walk out there and do something Mm -hmm. and this is what enabled Ezra to save Ahsoka from being killed so I thought it was pretty cool that they were able to bring this back especially given Mark Hamill's in the cast (laughs) I know it's a complete coincidence they didn't plan it like that but I thought it was pretty awesome nonetheless oh yeah And for me, it's like you just start to put the pieces together,
1: like the uh, the main old lady, you know, her being like the uh, boat uh, fisherwoman in the other world Mm -hmm. uh, was another neat, another neat thing. And then especially when, you know, uh, he's leaving or, you know, they split up and she gives her basically her uh, her doll to basically keep her old body safe. Uh when she got dragged back into the world, yeah, especially when they start popping back out, she just pops out of his uh pocket,
0: yeah, that was very entertaining. I was kind of expecting him to do something like that at the end, mm-hmm, but you know the this
1: movie was definitely very, very beautiful, and as we get kind of towards the end, we see the grand uncle you know, saying like, I want someone pure of heart to be able to take over for me to continue building these worlds. And You know, and that, that to me is when like the autobi- autobiographical sense of the movie, like really popped up because it's Miyazaki saying, you know, some people can think of it as conceited or others can see it like an artist really like wanting to make sure someone can care after his work when he's gone. It's like, I want someone who really understands this these characters, this world, the sense of animation, all this stuff. And then, you know, Mahito's saying, like, I'm not, I have malice in me. I have you know, I have these things that would not make that would not keep this world beautiful.
0: Yeah. And this is a classic Ghibli theme that we see over and over again of looking to the future and trying to find a way to preserve the world we live in. Because if you look back at, um, Mononoke Mm -hmm. that was very environmental heavy and thematic. So it's trying to give the lesson of here are the thematics for, um, making sure that you as the audience know to continue maintaining the environment, protecting, against like pollution and toxic waste and all that in this case it's the older generation is dying out it's up to you kids now to take up the mantle to protect the world to live life good and continue on the right path basically mm-hmm. so it's a very miyazaki ghibli type thing in in the sense of This isn't just a movie, like a cartoon movie, like how you have, you know, whatever things that are coming up now in America, but these movies are always packed with lessons to help the audience kind of take something away and hopefully carry on with them after.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: No, for sure.
1: And so, yeah, there's like a lot, dude take in uh you know like i myself i've been wanting to re-watch it just have not had the time to go back to a theater to go watch it again uh because it's i think it's been moved down to one showtime in my area Mm -hmm. uh and it's usually like a two or three o'clock showtime, and you know today uh mlk day i had the day off so i was able to record this on an earlier time than normal but you know, usually I'm working till like five thirty, no- and my full time job. So obviously, I'm not going to be able to catch that
0: showtime. Yeah. Um, no, but- like I'm seeing a lot of showtimes in my area still, which surprises me because when I was looking for a movie time last week to go watch it, the last day with any um, with anything was going to be last Wednesday. Mm -hmm. and i didn't see anything on thursday i didn't see anything on friday but then all of a sudden today on you know january 15th Mm -hmm. most of the theaters in the area have sewings again nice so i'm looking for a subtitled one possibly to go watch
1: oh yeah so you know we'll kind of wait and see uh where it ends up on streaming uh you know, Max has been uh, going through a bit of a S show uh, with the leadership, but they still have the Ghibli collection up there. So, best bet would be that it ends up on Max here in like a month or two. Yeah. Uh, it may get like another re release in anticipation for uh, the Academy Awards. In all likelihood, this is going to get that nomination. Usually, it, Ghibli it is down to one. Yeah. Um, So maybe around that time, there'll be showtimes that pop up again. Yeah. But overall, like I said, this was probably to me the best animated movie I saw in 2023. And, you know, I enjoyed not just the fantastic animation, but for me, my biggest takeaway from the movie was just how much of a personal movie it felt. That i was watching it was an artist basically putting out their biography and you know telling us like what they fear but what they hope for their upcoming future and i thought that was just really beautiful
0: yeah it definitely is and i gotta say like when i was first watching this movie the the thematics felt very dark compared to other movies that came out from the sky Mm-hmm. Did you get that similar kind of impression? I mean, the movie starts off with a mother dying in a fire, so yes. <laughs> well, not even just that, but like you know, all the stuff Mahito's going through with the alienation, the 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 journey he went through. It's mm-hmm. not like with Howl's Moving Castle, where while it's got some heavy themes, it can still maintain a more positive outlook throughout. Uh, this one felt a bit more bleak at times, but I'm not necessarily complaining about that, I'm just commenting that I've not seen, or I don't think I've seen a Miyazaki film do that before.
1: Very nice. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Uh, It's definitely a little bit darker than most of his other stuff, but for me, it's still like, very beautiful to watch and honestly like if you guys have not gotten the chance to uh, i would definitely recommend you go out to watch it um it's really good Um, but i will say it may not hit everyone as it hit us Uh, because there are some people who uh, didn't get it which is understandable um, because compared to some of the other uh, ghibli films or Uh, Miyazaki films themselves they don't quite have uh, this one doesn't quite have the fantastical element that the others do or really necessarily the story that the other ones have but it's such a layered movie that sometimes No, I'm not saying that you know I'm not saying this is an insult to anyone so please don't take it this way but this is definitely one that is going to make you that it's going to require a little
0: bit more thinking to get yeah, and then, like, this movie is very similar to another Ghibli movie that came out, Grave of the Fireflies, to me. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not a Miyazaki film. That's it's a Isao Takahata movie. But it has a very similar feel to that. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not nearly as dark. No, not nearly as dark as uh, Grave of the Fireflies. I mean, that, that had a whole other level of darkness. For sure. But it definitely had that feel of darkness regardless. And that says a lot about, you know, how the Japanese, rightfully so, mind you, uh, view the Second World War and the devastating impact that they had to deal with from that war. Yeah,
1: it's a little crazy uh, to me, uh, you know, going off on a little bit of a tangent how, we essentially had two movies from Japan, from Toho of all places, to literally depicting how they handled not just the Second World War, but the aftermath of the Second World War. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Godzilla minus one literally came out the week before this one, uh, before Boy and the Heron, and, and had similar themes in regards to the war, and both. And both this and uh, Godzilla Minus One are allotted as two of the best movies that came out last year.
0: It's yeah. I interesting see, timing. I couldn't get myself to go see uh, Godzilla Minus One yet. It's, I couldn't make a time for it, but definitely going to try and make it out there at some point. It's still sewing in theaters for me.
1: Yeah, it just left my market last weekend. Uh, I was shocked how long it stayed. But, oh man, that that was a blast to watch. Oh I bet. <laughs> uh but yeah, overall I think both of our uh, feelings on Boy and the Heron, really good. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh any last words before we wrap this one up, Riz? No, I I'm just, you know, happy we had a chance to sit down and talk about this movie. It's well deserved.
1: Oh yeah. I've been uh, I've been wanting to get the rest of the crew to go watch it
0: for a while, but <laughs> Well, they'll learn one day. Hopefully. (laughs) They'll learn one day what they missed out on in theaters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah,
1: overall, fantastic movie. You guys should definitely go give it a watch. Uh, You know, we kept a lot of the plot description very brief, very broad. uh, Because, again, it's one that no amount of words can do what you see on screen justice for the movie. Uh, so, yeah, definitely give it a check out.
0: Yeah, for- definitely.
1: Uh, but that will be it for us today on another episode of Anime Declassified. We'll talk to you guys later. Take care.